Welcome to Wisdom for the Journey Season 3. My name is Mariana and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. Over the past three seasons and two years, my goal has been to help young women feel less alone, develop healthy relationships with themselves, others, and God, and feel empowered in their God-given callings. I love all the episodes in this season and I know you will get something out of this episode. Enjoy. and welcome to Wisdom for the Journey. As you already probably heard in the intro, my name is Mariana Smith, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode, and it has definitely been highly requested. Um, It's a bit different than normal episodes that I do, but today I'll be talking with Jacob, a counselor with Sanctuary Counseling, about um, the experience that teenage boys have in today's world. This is slightly different than what we normally talk about as my episodes are typically gauged towards mental health and experience teen girls face, but I'm so excited to be talking with him on this topic. Jay, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Um, I am a second career therapist, so I spent 35 years in corporate America and then decided that I wanted to be doing something that I was more passionate about. And so I went back and got my graduate degree and I'm now licensed as a um, clinical mental health counselor, as well as a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I work for Sanctuary Counseling Group, where I'm also the executive director. We have 10 therapists who work for us in, in the greater Charlotte area. So we have a very large footprint from Hickory, I mean, from um, High Point and Winston-Salem, all the way down to Monroe. Uh, we cover a very large and very uh, diverse community of um, people in all those different areas. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I know that Sanctuary Counseling is involved with my church, and I love everything that they do. Um, so thank you for sharing a little bit of your journey. Sure. Um, so as we jump like right into the questions, um, question one, I also want to say that because of lack of experience I have as a teenage boy, I will be giving less input on this episode and I'll be asking some more questions um, just because I'm trying to learn here too. So we're going to start off with question one. Um, what are some challenges you see teenage boys face with their mental health? So I think probably um, the biggest thing that we see over and over again uh, just has to do with social phobias and insecurity that that they're facing going through uh, middle school and high school, dealing with the demands that get put on them from their parents and from society. It creates a very, a lot of generalized anxiety. So we learn a lot with them on, we work a lot with them on how to kind of get control of those those emotions. We also work with them on how to um, deal with emotions more effectively. Uh, I think we also see that 20% of um, young men deal with depression. So that's definitely a mental health issue that is becoming a bigger and bigger component in our 
um, adolescent years, um, and it's younger and younger. We're seeing it affecting 10 and 11 year olds um, more and more as well in the mental health arena. I think one of the other things that I see a lot of when working with um, teenager, teenage boys is just that fear of missing out. What am I getting myself into? It's affecting a lot of their decisions, whether it's good or bad or indifferent about like future. What am I gonna do about going to college? Those kinds of things, I think that becomes a big issue. Um, and one of the uh, things that I think is probably underreported uh, in the male population is about one in six boys are sexually abused. And it's just a very underreported thing. People, boys don't tend to talk about it and they don't tend to say anything about it. And so I think that's becoming a bigger issue. Um, a lot of my older clients are men who were abused used in their teenage years, but yet they didn't say anything until they were in their 40s or 50s. Right, and I think whether it's said out loud a lot, um, really even a lot of mental health issues, I can think of, like you said, sexual abuse and um, even like things like eating disorders are almost labeled as female problems, but they're not just female problems, they're human problems. Right. Um, we as a society and culture and even as a church have some work to do to kind of shine some light on those things. And a lot of the things that you said I had not thought of before. So thank you so much for sharing. And I, I love that you bring up the idea about what the church, the church's work and what the church needs to do. It's really the reason that I got into doing therapy was because I felt like churches needed to have a bigger say in our mental health. And I think so often we do, um, especially our young men, a disservice because we don't teach them how to regulate. We don't teach them, you know, how to deal with things. It's more of a, you know, um, suck it up, be a man, you know, those types of attitudes, even coming out of our churches. And I think we need to be get our, we need to be giving young men a better place to um, experience and to express themselves and to deal with a lot of these issues so that when they grow up and become, you know, husbands and fathers and dealing, trying to be good um, members of society, they really have a better handle on how to, how to cope. Absolutely, absolutely. And this isn't a question that I wrote down, but it's kind of off the top of my head. So you talk about um, teenage boys kind of growing up to be good husbands and fathers how do you think as a church we um kind of raise our teenage boys in an environment that will enable them to healthily express their emotions um and feel as they're older that's kind of off the top of my head so it wasn't phrased well but i hope that you got what i meant well i think I see, a, I see the trend improving from an emotional uh, stability perspective. The younger men that come to see me, the better they, they have, uh, the better, the more literate they are in discussing their emotions. Um, your, your grandfather and your great-grandfather's generation just were, were in my generation, um, really never discussed emotions. Uh, really the only emotion that we've ever been allowed to have is anger. Um, men who are under 40, we're seeing more uh, 
discussion around it. They're being they're learning more about how to comprehend their emotions, how to regulate um, in some regards. But I think our churches are still kind of like, you know, here's here's how here's how we see men, the role of men. And it doesn't necessarily educate them. Um, I could we don't talk about like how what it means to be a godly man. We don't talk about necessarily what it means to be able to um, to live in the stress, you know, the stress of our lives that come at us. I know I hear a lot from my twenty-something year old men. They're telling me, you know, this is not what I thought adulting was going to be like. So whether it's our schools or whether it's our parents or whether it's our churches, we're letting our young men down when it comes to adulting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't have does that answer your question? That, that really does. Thank you. Um, I don't have a lot to say on that, but the only thing that really came to mind for me is I did a post about this a while ago on my Wisdom for the Journey Instagram, and um, I was talking about how Jesus felt all these, all these emotions that are often viewed as negative. Like, he felt sadness. He felt dread. He felt anger. Um, and Jesus was a man. And he was perfect. Like, feeling, if you're anybody, especially considering this topic, if you're a man, feeling isn't wrong. Ever. Right your feelings in a healthy way isn't ever wrong um so that's kind of what i got from what you said but thank you so much for answering that question i know that i added it on it was a little bit that's okay thank you you're welcome so the second um kind of relates to the first it goes a bit more specific but what are some psychological and emotional challenges that teenage boys typically face? So we kind of a little bit alluded to this. I think social pressure. Um, and when I talk about social pressure, I can't ignore what the socials, the social media is doing to our younger generations. Um, I find it really interesting when I talk to different generations, how they view their, their cell phones. Um, and what they use it for. And I think your generation, uh, you know, that 20 something and even younger, they use their telephones for something completely different than, than my generation uses it for. And it's not, there's a lot of pressure associated with it. There's a lot of peer pressure that comes out of it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of statistics about using porn uh, in, because it's so much it's in your pocket, you know, you can take it with you, it's available. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what's real and what's not that comes out of social media, that comes out of being able to see everything on, when, even when you're not prepared. I mean, 12 and 13 year old um, teenage boys are seeing things that they're not really prepared to digest and figure out what to do with. And then it affects them as they continue to age. And it affects how they see relationships. I think expectations are huge when we're talking to teenagers. Um, boys, just like uh, our female clients, are faced with trying to live up to family expectations, trying to live up to what friends are doing. I see young men who are coming from really loving and caring families, 
And yet they come in and say, I, I can't live up. And I see people who are coming from very dysfunctional families and they're telling me I can never be enough. So it's kind of the same, it's the same coin, just two different sides. And those expectations are really, really complicated. The other thing that I think I see happening with young men is just in relationships. And I'm talking about like some young men are, are longing to be in a relationship with a partner. They want to be dating. They want to be um, doing something and being active. And some of them just get so locked into social media or into gaming that it becomes hard for them to kind of break out. Uh, it's very difficult for them to make connections. And then when they are in relationships, it really uh, can become very dysfunctional very quickly uh, because they've not been taught uh, exactly how to live in those relationships. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't recognize the hormonal imbalance that young men are going through. Um, it's so difficult for young men. I think we ignore it because it's not got a visible sign necessarily, but it's very hard for young men to regulate um, themselves because of the hormonal chaos that's being created for them. We've already talked about the emotional illiteracy that young men are, are facing. Um, there's a dichotomy in the way they're taught uh, about emotions too. So in our industry, you'll hear us talk about a double bind and a double bind is a double message. It's a, it's a, it's a mixed message of, Hey, I love you, but then, you know, you, you might um, not hug them or you might treat them poorly. So you're giving them two different messages and in that double bind, they really have a confusion over well, what's what and what's real? And how, do, how is that working in my life? One of the things that I see in young men a lot, specifically around sex and sexuality, um, has to do with guilt and shame. I think our churches need to do a better job of teaching what guilt is versus what shame is so that um, young, young people in general are much more tied to guilt, um, which is a positive emotion. Guilt is a learning emotion. It helps you understand and digest and process what's um, good in your life and then how to do what's right. Shame is de de uh, denigrating. It's painful. It tears you down. It rips you apart. And so I think we've got to be very careful in our churches to make sure that young people um, understand the difference between guilt and shame and which ones are appropriate. Um, and I think, again, I think sex and sexuality continues to be something that generation after generation, young men are, are faced with, well, who am I? What am I doing? Um, you know, if I'm not experiencing it, is something wrong with me? And when am I going to get to experience it? And again, that's where I think a lot of pornography comes into play and it, it distorts what you see, what they see as reality. Right, right, right. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And um, one thing that I really noticed while you were talking is a lot of the things that you were talking about. So um, you talked about shame and about hormones. And there was one other thing I can't remember. I'm going to listen to this while I'm editing and remember, but... Um, a lot of those things are really 
like I said, like labeled and talked about as female issues. Um, right. And nobody really talks about the male aspect of that. And I can't imagine how the only word that I can think to use is how lonely that must feel sometimes um, to be going through something like that and to feel like it's not being talked about, it's not being mentioned, and like nobody else is going through it. Um, so that's really what I really heard. And I do think, yes, there's definitely some growing that we have to do, but I think we're on the right track. Um, well, and so what you'll see is because it gets pushed down, it gets ignored, um, what young men are doing is they then start processing it the way they know. So, you know, you think about like, if you don't understand something, if you get exposed to something, for example, before you're age ready, before you have the cognitive ability to really understand it, you have to learn to process it and digest it based on that particular age, right? Um, and so a lot of times what I'm seeing are men in their mid-20s, early 30s who are coming to see me and we're having to unpack a lot of that stuff because it was not um, handled appropriately when they were teenagers. They were not um, talked to about these things at the right ages. Um, a friend of mine a few years ago, uh, was I was having lunch with her and she said, do you think I should start talking to my son about sex? And I said, how old is he? And she said, he's 12. And I said, it's too late <laughs> to start talking. Um, and she said, well, when did you start talking to your son about sex? And I said, when he was three. And you start talking with age appropriate things and you're not gonna get, get into everything with a 12 or 13 year old, but there are things they're curious about and you have to educate them so that they understand at that age. And then you have to educate them when they're 14 and 15. So they understand it again at that age. And there's a lot of things that go on in our adolescents' lives that we have to be able to communicate with them effectively over so they process it appropriately and that they're not like growing to be 25, 30 year olds. And then we're having to go back and unpack a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. I, I really have nothing to add, like this is great. Um, so the next question that I have, um, what do you think this culture needs to better understand about teenage boys? Uh, that's what this one anything you can help throw in for me I think this one's a hard one because um, young men are um, get shoved into a box that's consistent you know it's like we think one size fits all uh, we create schools that once one way works for everybody um, and they it doesn't I think we need to recognize that uh, every young man is different and every young woman is too, but we're talking about young men today. They're different. They process different. They learn different. They're, um, they develop at different rates. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, for us to kind of take away from a, a mental health perspective today. Uh, 
boys, you know, adolescents are developing at much different rates. Some boys are um, growing cognitively a lot earlier, and then um, others are catching up um, later in their late teens cognitively. And when I talk about that, what I'm saying is that idea of being rational, that idea of being able to connect points and correlate things, um, the re reason, that reason part of their brain doesn't develop quite like the next guy does. And definitely not like, we'll talk about this a little bit different later, but definitely not like a young woman's brain. And so those are things I think we've got to be co con conscious of is that young men move at different rates. Some move faster, some move slower, and we have to recognize that one size doesn't fit all. I think the other thing we have to be able to do is look at the things we've talked about already. Uh, we tend to um, see young men as boys and not uh, recognize the maturity that, that comes with that. It may not be a mental maturity, but there is a maturity because of society that forces on young men now at a very early age. We tend to think it's the other way around that like, you know, they're not maturing until they're 25 or 30 years old. That's cognitive, but I'm talking about like expectations and what we're putting on young men. And so I think we've got to be able to look at what are the stressors? What are like the things we've talked about already? as far as general anxiety, uh, depression, dealing with uh, social pressure, dealing with family pressures, dealing with um, all sorts of issues that are coming up. We're gonna be able to identify those so that then we can have a conversation around them and help them navigate through those waters. Right, and like destigmatize young men who struggle with those things. Cause I mean, well, that's all young men because humans struggle with those things um, right and i really think another thing that i hear kind of i well yeah i really used to believe this for a while um and uh, i see a lot of my girl peers um talking about is kind of like this idea that all boys are like apathetic if that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Like, they don't care. They're not going to put effort in, which I think is a really harmful message that I actually get. Um, I hear on social media all the time. I hear my friends talk about all the time. I hear girls in my school talk about all the time. But I really don't think that's true. And I think it's a quite harmful message that we kind of put on teenage boys? One of the things I learned a long time ago, Mariana, was that we use different language from person to person or from gender to gender. Um, from So one of the things that I picked up on some time ago in corporate America was that, you know, from company to company, from um, industry to industry, we may be talking about the same thing, but the vocabulary can be very different. And I think what I've seen in counseling over the last 10 years is exactly the same thing. And, and so young, men, young women may be talking about um, 
the lack of empathy or that they're apathetic. And, um, but that may not be exactly what's going on. It could be more that they've reached a point of frustration and they feel like there's no point or there's no use. So a lot of times when I'm counseling young men, they're going, why should I go to college? What's it going to get me? Why not just work hard and try to make a living? Um, wouldn't I just be better off not to go into that environment that's continued to beat me up over and over and over again? Why worry about letting someone else down when I can just start where I am and have nowhere to go but up? So I think there's a difference in the way people are interpreting um, what young men are thinking and what they're doing. I don't think it's that they're, um, they're not interested. I just think there's a, there's a, um, there's just a sense of despair in many young men. Yeah, kind of a thing like, if I'm going to fail anyways, what's the point in actually trying? Um, Right. Yeah, that's, that's a very tough thing to handle. Um, So thank you so much for your input on that. I never really thought about it that way. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Sure. The next thing is we haven't talked as much about this, but psychologically, what are some main differences between um, teenage girls and teenage boys? I don't think we have um, enough time here to really discuss that. But, you know, we talked, we touched on some of these already, but I think development is huge. There's a, there's a big difference in cognitive, uh, cognitive and behavioral development in young women and young men. Um, young men mature at a much slower rate. Uh, I see a huge change like from 15 to 16 in both um, genders, but especially in young men, young women, a lot of times that change, that cognitive change will happen like maybe 14 to 15. Um, but for young men, it, it's really mostly around um, 15 to 16. I I will say, I want to make sure, I should have said this at the beginning, I'm talking in real generalities here because I'm very big stereotypes. Not that every young man is the same as anything I'm saying, but I'm, I'm kind of painting this with a big broad brush because of the format that we're here in. So definitely there are young men who mature much earlier. There are young women who mature later. But in general, we do see young women maturing cognitively. They're able to rationalize quicker. They're able to um, correlate data in a way that makes, uh, makes it easy for them to uh, think logically uh, before young men are. It's, it's kind of part of the fun part of being a young man and being like, hey, watch this, you know? And yeah. I remember when I was that age and there were all boys and my home and my cousins and we had motorcycles and go-karts and all sorts of fun things to do. And that was one of the greatest things was, Hey, watch this. And we, we would try it, but there was nothing that kept us from, you know, standing on a motorcycle flying down a hill. So um, I I hope I didn't give somebody an an idea. So there's, you know, um, that's not probably the smartest thing I've ever done in my life, but uh, it's, it's part of that brain development. Yeah. 
I think um, I think men, young men do not assimilate very well. Our schools, our churches, our society is looking for us to assimilate and kind of be a part of the, the, the way it's structured. Um, sit still, participate in, you know, in these, these environments that are um, structured in a particular institutional way. And I think a lot of young men struggle with that. More young women are um, able to assimilate in those ways than young men are, I think. So in that regard, I think there's a difference between the cognitive and the mental, um, mental aspect of young men and young women. Um, and I think that, uh, I think young men and young women um, kind of deal with things differently, you know, because of the emotional component uh, that we've already spoken about, because there's different expectations I think young men and young women handle things um, different. In general, young women have their own set of, and you've probably talked about some of these issues, they have their own set of coping mechanisms, um, but because they're more literate when it comes to emotions, they have friend groups, they have people they talk to, they seek out help more often. Um, I just was talking to a young man and he said, he's 26 years old, and he said, I want to do it by myself. I don't want anybody's help. And I said, doing it by yourself doesn't mean that you don't find resources that are going to, that are going to help you. And he thought that was odd. And I think that's part of it, too, is young men are like, take the easy road. If I don't get any help right away, then I'm going to move on. So um, it's kind of interesting to see those differences between young men and young women. Right, absolutely. And I'm going to pause this again. I feel like as you talked about um, that cognitive, cognitive development and um, emotional development as well, that's, that was really wonderful. And um, I also think along with that, there's that kind of, added pressure that we had talked about before um mm -hmm. this can sometimes be harmful but actually pretty good women kind of have this almost expectation that they're going to feel right that they which could definitely i've talked about it before be harmful in some ways have this expectation that they are going to um feel all the emotions and be emotional which yes harmful in a lot of ways but there's oftentimes, not always, oftentimes a space for young women to do that. Um, right. With young men, I don't feel like that space is as big as it is for young women. And along with that and um, the emotional and cognitive development that you were talking about earlier, it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. Well, and young women relate differently than young men. Young women will sit and talk and they'll, you know, they'll hang out together. And most of the time, young men, when they want to process, they want to do things active. They want to be, you know, hey, let's go do something. Let's go fishing. Let's go bowling. Let's go, um, where there's an action so that it takes some of the pressure off of, 
kind of just sitting and sharing. So there are those differences I think we need to understand between young men and young women. Um, I think young men, you're exactly right, young men find it really hard to communicate. Even the sen more sensitive young men, um, I think they're fi they find it difficult and it's, it's hard to find that space where they can share and be able to talk about the things that are important to them. Right, right. And uh, as you were saying that, something came to mind with me and my brother. We had gotten a piece a few weeks ago of some difficult family news. Um, and the first thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to sit in my bed and call my best friend and just mm. talk on the phone and process my emotions. Um, and the first thing that he wanted to do is play Minecraft with my cousin so that while they were playing Minecraft, he could kind of talk about what was going on. Right. Just kind of reminded me of that. Um, and yes, that is very much a, just, just a difference between the personalities of me and my brother. Right. But I think there are some also um, things that you had mentioned play into that as well. And I think it's really important that both young men and young women kind of learn how their brains work. I think it's important. So often, um, you know, we're trying to fire the chemicals in our brain because there's a high that comes with it, whether it's got to do with, you know, participating in activities that kind of create that adrenaline rush um, or whether it's got to do with um, sex or whether it has to do with, um, standing on your motorcycle, going down a hill. I mean, there's all sorts of things that create those rushes that we long for because we it causes those, um, sh those shots of chemicals into our brain. I think the other thing that uh, young women do better is they learn how to, to calm down. Um, they have coping mechanisms that come with those emotions, whereas young men kind of like that heightened sense of excitement that comes out of their base brains. And when their base brains are excitable, it makes the logical part of their brain um, difficult to function. So it's really important that they learn, okay, how do I calm this down so that the functioning of my, my logical brain will kick in? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's pretty basic, the way I described that. Is that okay there, yeah. Brianna? That's actually, that's actually perfect. I had no idea. I, yeah, I really didn't know that. Um, and yeah, yeah, I didn't, I had no idea. That was actually kind of interesting to learn about. So thank you for sharing. Um, what do you think teenage girls sometimes need to understand better about teenage boys? I think they, I would say they, that both sides need to listen better. And I think teenage girls could give, um, help give lessons in that uh, to teenage boys in some regards. But I think boys need to be heard as well. Um, society doesn't always give them a place because our emotions are, are limited. So I think teenage girls who want to give boys a place to, to speak and be heard when it comes to, especially to emotional things, um, comes to the painful things, uh, you know, grief is probably something that you and your friends have had to face. And especially in the last two years, you know, grief over not being in school or grief over friends who are, you're not being able to stay in touch with. Um, and I think those are things, that's a great um, 
you know, package of emotions that we're really not taught very well how to, how to deal with. And so listening to young men talk about that can be really important. Um, I think understanding that a lot of young men need time alone, you know, that it's okay for them to have some time to kind of be alone. Or I read an article just the other day, I was talking about uh, young men needing bro time. I hate that term, but um, they need to, you know, they need that time to hang out with their friends. They need time to be online and play games um, with their friend. They need to go fishing. They need to go bowling. They need to go and do things. Um, and so I think that's really important or just hanging out. I think it's really important. Um, sometimes I see young couples, you know, older teenagers, especially young 20 somethings, they get into these relationships and it's like me, 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 me. I think you've got to give each other time to, to be yourself. And I think that's the same thing is let, let young men be themselves, you know, don't put them in a box. Um, don't try to fix them, you know, let them work it, work through it and figure it out. And if, if it's a good fit, then they're good friends um, or maybe something else um, later. So I think that's important. Um, I think you need to know that men are more sensitive than you think they are. Um, you just don't see it. You don't know it. We, I always say uh, we box everything up and we have like warehouses of boxes in the backs of our brain and we package it all up and put it all away. And we don't want it. We don't like the way it feels. We don't want to talk about them. Um, and so if, if you give a young man some opportunity, uh, he'll feel safe and he'll start sharing that with you. I think it's really important to, um, to understand that they're more sensitive. They hear what you say about them. And it's important to know that um, they hurt too, even if they don't say anything. Right. And I think... Uh, the main idea that um, it kept coming across is like this idea of space. So space to just let let them be. Space to be them be themselves. Space to feel and space to talk um, about their emotions and space to feel like they're being listened to. Um, I think is really important. Um, and I really think sometimes I can see this with girls against girls, but I almost think even with girls and guys, it almost becomes a competition um, of either who has it worse or um, who mm. understands better. Um, but really, it's not a competition. Right. Um, every individual has their own experience and has felt pain and has struggled in some way and every human deserves to have a space that they feel like they are being um listened to and validated and not judged right right i think you've got to give people those those spaces and I, i'll go back to one other thing that i would say young women kind of really need to understand about young men is um the hormone surges. I mean, we, we, you know, young women come into the world and it's much more visible. 
we see, you know, see the hormones happening in young women, young women recognize it, young men, it's, it's very hidden, but there's still a lot of irritation and aggravation. There's still a lot of uh, agitation associated with their hormones. There's this idea of I'm a man, but I'm not a man. Um, I'm not able to do what, you know, I want to do. And so I think there's, I think a lot of times we ignore that when it comes to young men. It's like, uh, all right, straighten up, fly right. And we're not paying the chaos that those hormones are creating for them. And I think recognizing that is really important. And even if you see a very mature looking uh, teenager, they're probably still struggling with it. Maybe um, doesn't fully develop in most young men until their late teens and early 20s. So they may be fully grown. Um, like me, I was wearing a size 12 at 12 years old. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but you're still not mature until much later. Right. And that's actually really interesting because I can sometimes notice the opposite problem with girls um, of like almost blaming everything on hormones because I remember I have I'm not ashamed of this at all but I have struggled most of my life with anxiety um, and I remember when I was a teenager and it prevented me from going to counseling for about three months mm. I struggled with probably one of the I was about 11 with one of the worst seasons of anxiety that I've ever had um, and that was coming out of my second open heart surgery and all these things. And the amount of times my mental health got kind of, kind of blamed on, you're just hormonal, mm. more times than I can count. And it's interesting that you bring it up on the male side of things because you almost see the opposite problem of we are not addressing the fact that young men are going through changes right. changes in their brain with their hormones. So I just think that it's really interesting that it's almost like polar opposites sometimes. On those two right. Sides. That's a good point. I think, um, you know, we don't pay attention to those types of things. It's, um, again, I think it goes back to expectations. We, we expect young men to live a a certain way we expect them to kind of overcome um you know i who was i talking to recently and we were talking about um they were telling me in the story that when they turned 12 their dad came in the house and took every single toy away from them and said you're a, you're a man now you don't need toys and i think that's a painful thing for um for people to realize is that sometimes it's like you're caught in that between space of I'm not a boy, but I'm not a man yet. I still like to play with my Legos or I still like to play with my Star Wars uh, figures. And, you know, there are things like that that I think can be kind of a challenge for young men who are, who are continuing to change and grow. Yeah. Yeah. And that as a female, I don't think that's as big of a problem, but I really, I really can, see if I'm trying to like understand I can really see how that would be really difficult um because you're kind of like 
there's this in-between space of like you need to be a man and like you're still a boy that's a lot of difficult right um so yeah that was i really liked how this question was answered so yeah and i think if you throw in you know most many uh boys struggle with ADD or ADHD. It's a much higher um, percentage with, with boys than it is with girls. Not that girls don't get it, but I think you throw that into the mix with the hormones and it becomes very complicated. And it's kind of like, come on and step up, step out, get your act together. Can't you, can't you, why don't you, um, you can do this. And it becomes really complicated in how to, help your young men learn to cope and how to work and fit into that box that society has for them. Yeah. And I think you said this before earlier in the episode, I forgot what it specifically was called, but about like those double messages. Um, it's a double bind. Double bind. Yes. Um, I think that was a big part of what you were saying too. Um, honestly, I think, Speaking from experience as a teenager and knowing friends, sometimes my brain just feels like a jumbled mess. And I think as teenagers, teenage boys and girls alike need to embrace the fact that sometimes our minds just kind of feel like a jumbled mess. And that's okay. Well, and that's probably another thing that's really good for young women to recognize in young men. Women and men think very differently. So um, I always say men think like the light switch on the wall. It's on, it's off. I mean, our brains are very simple-minded. It's We like to think that we are, and again, this is stereotypical, very broad brush. We like to think that we can multitask when actually what we do is one thing after another very quickly. Um, and I think it's important to understand kind of that box mentality back to that design. Um, you know, young men are learning to put things in boxes and put them on the shelf. And so they're not thinking about what's in that box on the back shelf. And so you may bring up something and you may be caught off guard by your friend, your male friend, who's like, what are you talking about? Because it's in the back of the, the warehouse somewhere. And so we go from one box to the next. We shove everything into one box. We go to another box and then we go to another box. And when we go to that other box, we're not thinking about the third box back. Um, we're thinking about what's in that box. Um, I use the analogy of women think kind of like their brains are kind of like a bowl of spaghetti with um, sauce poured on top. Everything touches, everything's connected. Um, it's easy to jump from one thought process to the next. And so it's really hard for that people who think that way to understand the box thinking concept. And it's really hard for people, men, young men who, who are learning to think in the box concept to think like the spaghetti, have the spaghetti mentality. Um, and that's important to understand at any age that, uh, we think differently and we have to give young men the opportunity to go fetch that box in the back of the warehouse and bring it back to the front. And um, we have, as young men, we have to understand that, you know, the, the women we're hanging out with are jumping around so fast and we have to be able to let that happen too. Yeah. And I thought of this story. I had a friend 
um, well, two friends. I had a guy friend and a girlfriend, and, like, they liked each other, right? It was, like, the whole high school drama. And I was talking to them both, and my friend who was a girl was overthinking and was making all these connections and was, like, analyzing, like, almost overanalyzing this whole kind of conversation that she had had with this guy. And the dude texted me, and it was just something completely random, completely unrelated. And then he had just kind of, like, forgotten what the girl, what the girl had really, not forgotten, but, like, not really thought about what the girl had said after it happened. Like, it was just right. on to the next thing. Um, yeah, it just made me think. But, yeah, that was a very cool analogy. I had not thought about it that way before. But the last question, less targeted towards, oh, it's actually not the last question. Is the last question? I don't know if it's the last question. We're just going to go with it. Um, but uh, what are some mental health resources you would recommend for teenagers? So I always think mom and dad is a great place to start. I think anytime being able to talk to your mom and dad, um, if you're not even willing to share with them um, details, but kind of saying, hey, I think I need some help. I love it when young men come to me that way. And mom just says, my son asked me for help and I'm, I'm calling you. And I think that's huge when young men say, I need some help. Um, if they're not comfortable, maybe it's a topic they're not really comfortable about. There's counselors in schools there. They're trained just like I am. They just happen to be in schools and they can help you get to resources. Teachers, if you've got a favorite teacher in middle school or high school, I know Thank God for good teachers in our high schools. They have been a godsend for my kids. And I think um, one of them in particular got my, my youngest son through, through high school. He would not have made it without her. And so, you know, the, uh, make sure that um, our, young, our young men pay attention to Youth ministers, ministers in general, people in our churches can be a great resource. Uh, they're not really going to be that person who sits down and counsels very much, like on a long-term basis, but they can get you connected in the right way. Uh, and then I think being able to get into see a good talk therapist, um, Sanctuary Counseling Group is available. Like I said, we have 10 different therapists who cover a, a broad range of different um, areas of um, topics and different things, specialties. And, uh, you know, you can find us online by um, searching for Sanctuary Counseling Group or on social media. We're also on Instagram and, um, gosh, I think on Twitter. Now that I say that, I'm not sure. Um, but I know we're on social medias, uh, different social media sites. I think that um, it's important to kind of understand too, like, what other resources are available. Um, and there, there are hotlines if suicide is an issue for young people. I think it's important to know what those hotlines are and to be able to have a plan of what am I gonna do if I start thinking this way? Uh, it can be really scary when you have those thoughts for the first time. And so um, being able to have someone you can talk to, being able to say, call a friend and say, hey, can you come and sit with me for a while? Using your friend resource is a great um, place to start. I think medication is something we're prone to ignore or we're prone to avoid, but I definitely think at times that's the best course of action. 
uh, depending on how bad the anxiety or how bad the depression can be. Um, whenever I whenever I refer anyone for medication, I refer them to a psychiatrist. I think being able to have a good team for your mental health is the biggest benefit you can have. And so that means mom and dad, it means your teachers, it means your ministers, it means having a good counselor, it means having a good psychiatrist, whatever your needs may be, that's really the best resources, having that, that great team that can kind of think about it in a, in a bigger picture for you. Uh, and I am a huge, huge advocate um, for therapy. I've been in therapy on and off for five years now, um, and it has helped me in so many ways. Um, and sometimes, even I won't go into it, but in even my own experience, sometimes, depending on the situation, it has to go beyond therapy um, to things like a mental health team or medication or whatever that may be. But, right. Therapy is not something to be ashamed about or something to um, really worry about. I love therapy. It has made, it has changed my life. Um, and I also think, I always say this in whatever, I've done a few episodes about mental health in general. I always say this in these episodes um, that friends are great. Teenage friends are great. Um, but if you are going through mental like severe mental health struggles you need to have somebody beyond your friends of course rely on your community of friends mm -hmm. but if you're really struggling it's very important um and this can be very difficult to find depending on your situation it is very important to have at least one adult um that is making sure that you're okay um Right. parents or a counselor or a teacher whatever that might be um so and i would say people i would say young men need to understand counseling is probably not at all like they think it is um there are times when young men see me and we sit there for you know 30 minutes and talk about the new spider-man movie um and because there's you have to build relationship you have to be able to start looking for places that connect you so one way I describe um, therapy is like, let's get in the car and let's move forward. You know, let's get in our sports car, throw the top back, put it in drive, and let's figure out how do we move you forward. It's not so much about sitting in the past and, and reliving it all. Say. So there's, there's a lot of talking around what works, what doesn't work. There's a lot of talking and laughing um, when young men are in to see me, we're cutting up and laughing about, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And so therapy's not at all what people think. It's not, yeah. I, I think in 10 years, I've had one person lay down on the sofa, like, um, you know, like they were going to see Sigmund Freud or something, but yeah. that's not typically the way therapy is for most therapists. Oh, absolutely. Like I talked to my therapist a few weeks ago and we spent, 40 minutes of our 50 minute session talking about a boy that I liked and looking over the messages that he had sent and like awing over how cute it was. Like <laughs> that was like basically the entire session. It wasn't really any processing. It wasn't whatever, but like we had talked about before space, it was the space that I needed that day. Right. Um, so again, big proponent for therapy. So um, 
thank you so much. Um, I think that kind of draws this episode to the, to a close. Um, would you, before we kind of end things off, do you have any other closing words that you would like to say to my listeners? Yeah, just recognize that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. That I can't stress that enough that, you know, we're all so special um, in God's eye. And that it's really powerful when you start recognizing that as opposed to trying to shove it into a box and hide it in the back of your warehouse. Um, I think it's important that when you recognize it and then you realize you need help, that you step into the light. That's what I would end with right now. Thank you so much. Um, this has been a great episode. Um, thank you guys for listening to this point. And before I go, I would like to say that my podcast has an Instagram called Wisdom for the Journey, um, just at Wisdom for the Journey. And it's basically this podcast and a social media page. So if you would like to give that a follow, definitely do that. Um, make sure to listen to other episodes. Um, tell me what you think of them. Give me feedback. I always love when I hear that from you guys. So thank you so much. And I'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you got something out of it. If you haven't already, make sure to follow our Instagram at Wisdom for the Journey. I truly pour my heart into it. And if you love this podcast, it is definitely the place for you. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a rating. Again, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.